Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. In part two with Farkin, we'll get back to Melbourne and then travel with him around again to all the places that he's been hashing in the last 51 years. What about walking on Melbourne? Is it all runners? Did at some point there become people that said, well, we're just going to have to walk now? Yeah, well, we've, we've got to the stage now. We, we usually set a runner, runner's run and a walker's run, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Again, one of the issues with being an inner city thing, we, we're up to nearly 2,800 runs now. So we've just about run the place to death. Mm. And again, because, you know, you're always chasing someone to be the hare, people tend to set similar runs on one thing and another. Yeah. And again, you've just got about the street memorised. But, yeah, generally, there's usually a, a walker's run. Yeah. A walker's walk and a runner's run. We've got probably a dozen of the guys. And again, I'll do the runner's run. If it's not too hilly or it's not too cold or I can't think of another excuse, <laughs> our rules are you've got to be out for more than half an hour, um, and we try to set, keep the runs to around about an hour, so six to nine kilometres, depending on the terrain. You know, we've got a mix of, of flat and hilly country. Occasionally, I, I set one a couple of months ago along the beach, and the bastards, no one said, oh, no, I'm not going down there, I'll get my feet wet, so they all ran along the adjacent road. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you, you get things like that. But we're, we're lucky in that we've got what we call a green wedge around Melbourne. So in, in the summer, we can get out into the green wedge and, and run on river tracks and things like that. Nice. Um, yeah. And again, a, a good hair can make a set enough on backs and one thing's another. You can, you can make a, a short run long mm-hmm. um, because it's always someone stupid enough to go down the long on back, you know. There's probably a, a core of guys that are, are still keen runners and, and bike riders. So, yeah, because there's a, you know, there's a bike hash that goes out every week and a lot of the guys are on that now, even though they've sort of got, um, some of them have got electric motors on their bikes. But <sighs> so they're out and about, you know. And the full moon hash, which is, again, I think on this weekend, they do, they, they're always Sunday runs in the bush. They can be anything up to 100 kilometres away from home. It's a full day out. Nice. Um, the guy that tends to set those, he's a, dedicated i don't know him that well but he's a dedicated bush runner you know yeah they try. have you been to any of the aussie nash ashes i haven't no okay. just work-wise so it, it's interesting though that adelaide supposed to have aussie nash hash which was cancelled twice because of covid right they finally said it's on this year back in i think march and it had to be cancelled at the last minute because of the number of people you could get into a venue was restricted. Yeah. And those restrictions got lifted the week before. You know, they had to cancel it because we can't get the venues. Yeah. Anyway, the week before the non-event happened, the, the restrictions got lifted, and I think 500 people still turned up even wow. though the event wasn't on. That's very similar to what happened with World Interhash in Trinidad. Yeah. It was postponed for a year cancelled and a week later they lifted the restrictions the restrictions were going to be we had to stand in boxes of six x's yeah and and they said it's not practical and then they lifted the restriction more than 300 of us went to trinidad and probably 15 percent got covid so yeah (laughs) i'm here in thailand at the moment we've got it it's it's like it's going running rampant in melbourne now or australia 
Yeah. One of the things the Australian government, regardless of politics, eventually did was a high percentage of people are vaccinated, second and third. Now even, you know, we've yeah. now had the fourth one. We still got COVID. We had a COVID just over Easter. And I was sick for about five days solid. And then after that, it was all right. Cough yeah. for about another six weeks. Even here now in Bangkok, um, there's still a lot of paranoia, still masks on all the time. Yeah. The death toll's down. People yeah. are getting it. But because they're vaccinated, it's just a bit like a flu. Yeah. Um, they're more worried about the monkey thing here, you know. Yeah. Well, how long are you staying there in Thailand? Before? We're back to Melbourne on August the 2nd. As I said, my son lives up here, and I, the weather was such shit in Melbourne, I said to my wife, look, there's some cheap airfares. Because, again, there's still restricted air travel to Thailand. Mm. Um, hard to get a flight. So Jetstar, one of our local airlines, came up on one of these five-minute sails, you know. Nice. Airfares, so I will go. So And then... Australia, our winter season started last weekend, right. three-day weekend, and it's school holiday. So all of a sudden, as of this week, airfares have gone up three or $400 to get out of the country. We've got a heap of friends up here anyway over the years. We stay at my son's place. He's got a unit here. We see the grandkids, and then they're actually off to Europe for the summer school holidays um, in a couple of weeks. So we've got the house while they're away as well. Wow, nice, yeah. More hash parties. <laughs> well, we're getting a bit past that now, my wife, you know. <laughs> well, I know you had years there with family that made hashing tough to schedule and with travel, but if you had to guess ballpark, how many hash trails do you think you've been on? Oh, look, it's around over a 1,000. Yeah. According to the books in Melbourne, I've, I've had 600 or nearly 700 runs with Melbourne hash. Wow, yeah. But I had over 100 in Panguna and had visiting hashes there. Arawa, probably 20 or 30. And then at different times, Octeti up in the mountains, I think probably a dozen or so there. And I worked in KL for three months. We were running with PJ Hash, the animal hashes, they called them. Mm-hmm. KL, Talangjaya, Ipo, Singapore, Penang. I've had a few hashes in Penang. Yeah. I was working on a theatre project up in KL and we get three or four days off, so we just jump in the car and go. And I introduced a couple of the guys that were with us to hash. Great fun because you can walk into a town and straight away you got 50 friends. Yeah. Um, Did you know Chibai? Does that name ring a bell? Which one? Well, Alan, the guy who's, yeah. the guy who, he, I think he started the PJ Animales. Yeah, 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 because he's got relatives in Melbourne. Ah. And he died after Fiji Interhash in 2018. But he had been to every inner hash through that one. Yeah, now I know he yeah, do, yeah. And again, he has relatives in Melbourne, so he ran with us a couple of times as well. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a massive Malaysian crowd in Melbourne. We've got I think three, four, five ex Malaysian or Malaysian nationals that well, Australians now, but run with Melbourne. It's it's funny, yeah. The, the waves as we call them. It, it started off with one of the guys that started coming to hash Sid, Sidney Ong, couldn't find his way to hash. There's a street director used to be in Melbourne called the Melway. Yeah. And Sid came along with his Melway and couldn't find, finally got there. So, of course, he got the nickname, you're using the right, wrong street directory. Sid, he's <laughs> ah. He became Sidway. Oh. <laughs> so, so then every other Malaysian guy that joined us became a way. So we've got no way, wrong way, 
any oh, there's a couple of the ways I forget all their names now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the traveling you do now, you're getting to see family. Is there any other places you think you'll get to or haven't been that you want to travel to or hash at? We're going to Europe again. Just you know, we're we're supposed to be doing all this over the last couple of years, but COVID has knocked all that about. Couple of Japanese hashes I'd like to run with. I'll get down into more of the Malaysian hashes because they're always great fun to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, we may do that. We may drive down there over the next couple of weeks, a couple of day drive. And there's there's hashes down. There's there's a Phuket hash. I've had a few runs with a Phuket hash. There's a Pattaya hash. If we get down there and, and, and I'm there when there's a run on, I'll you know I've got all I've got my shirts, t-shirts and stuff. So I'll go if I can. And I think they've got. Early July, they've got an outstation hashier up the bush somewhere for a weekend, Nongkai, which I'll, I'm going to inquire about. I might go up to that, leave my wife at home and go up that. I'm sure there'll be there'll be a bus or something going up. That'll be mm. a good weekend. It's, it's opportune if it's there. I'm in my early 70s now, so I can't say to the wife, oh, you hang about here for a couple of hours, you know, have a drink. And I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't leave me here sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, good for you for going strong and running in the 70s. That's good. Inspiration. It's, the trouble is, you don't feel old. It's just your body tells you something different, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're all twenty-two in our brains, and days of drinking and running and fearlessness and indestructible. Now, <laughs> not being rude, what started you on this hash history thing? I started hashing in the sort of similar to you, but I mean a lot later. But in the early early eighties in Kuwait. Back yep. in a place where there was nothing else to do. There was a ice skating rink. I played basketball for the Ministry of Defense when I wasn't working and hash and softball. And the hash started while I was there in Kuwait. I was in Egypt for 15 years. Cairo, and I was RA of the hash the whole time. So it was a big social thing there. And it was for a long time, Cairo had not that much to do. So we had 150 people out on the hash. It was a big, fun hash. I got back to North America. I was from the States originally, and I took over the directory. When we went off the print directories, websites came up, and there was a website for all of Dickhead. Dave had the Australian one. I took over the American one. So I started collecting different history things on there and i made a checkbox where have you hash so people are chasing down lists of countries and so on and i tried to get somebody else to do this and i just said we just got to get voices and a lot of people are writing hash history there's a monthly magazine coming out of shakespeare there's a lot of that but nobody was doing recordings of voices and i finally gave up and said i'll just do it myself so it's been a year i started april last year and i've done over well over 150 and i've found people that started before you i talked to a woman in brunei who started in 1966 that the other week i met i've hashed in thailand i've hashed in 40 or 50 countries myself so i've met people i don't know everybody over there at all it's it's interesting bill manton who started the Bangkok hash back in 78, 79, I think. I met him a couple of times, actually, the first time at Interhash. Yeah. Um, he was lovely, Blake, now deceased. There's a thing online on YouTube about the history of the hash. It was an English guy. Um, he's interviewed in, in the Salanga Club in, what's his name? I can't think of his name now. I've met him. Yeah. And he was a lovely, bloke. you know, one of the, the classic English 
expat in in KL sort of thing. Either right? either Horse Thompson. I'm trying to think that which one was on tape. I saw uh, Horse. I think is on the tape. He's back in very elderly in in UK mm-hmm. when he was interviewed. One of the Melbourne guys is trying to organise a bike ride to follow uh, what was his name that got killed by the Japanese? Gisbert. Yeah, he's got. He's a keen Gisbert. He makes us celebrate the Gisbert's birthday every year. Yeah. He's organising a bike ride to follow the route that Gisbert's unit followed nice. down to Asia. Yeah. Uh, he had a hash through um, Vietnam on bicycles. Nice. There's things like that that are happening. I, I, I wouldn't mind going on that one. It would be a good one, you know. Yeah. I, I started going to the uh, inner hashes in 94, and I've gone to them all since then. I ended up emceeing a bunch of them. So I've met a lot of these older guys that are organizing the early inner hashes, and I'm part of that, you know, loop now. Uh, the pe- yeah. Do you know the Penguin? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because we've we've actually got an, a thing called the Inner Hash Council now to try to make sure not too much shenanigans goes on with the money and the bidding, so I'm in touch with those guys. Yeah, the Penguin from Jakarta, a lot of hashing in Jakarta, Scottish guy. I'm sure you've crossed paths. Yeah, I do. I do know him. Yeah, great circle man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, similar in Melbourne, one of our guys, JC, who organised one of the Nash hashes a couple of years ago. He sort of put finances, him, him and the two or three guys that helped him, they've made Nash Hash very profitable as such mm. and kept control of the money, you know, to the point where people have said, oh, you know, that's really good because unfortunately you get people, yeah, I'll be in it, I'll be in that, and, and they finish up with a pocket full of change and not sure where it came from and bills don't get paid and God knows what. It's not little organisation now, you know. Yeah. We were talking the other night about Hobart Hash. They did a magnificent job down there for, for Nash, Interhash. Yeah. They got sponsorship from the state government, which was really well done, you know. That's happened a couple places where, because unfortunately they had a, a bad, tragic shooting event, right? Oh, yeah, years ago, yeah. Well, and then the government was saying, you can bring a bunch of tourism, it'll be a good PR. That's happened a couple Interhash sites where the government yeah. said, yeah. Because New Zealand just had that. They had the shooting at the mosque a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, we sit in Australia and look at television and look at America and say, yeah. can't believe. Where are you in Canada? I'm in downtown Toronto. I grew up in in country Pennsylvania, but I'm in downtown Toronto now. Yeah. You look over the border now and you must think to yourself, you know, what's it's wrong with this? I, I, I just cannot believe. What I'm seeing every week, you know. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, insane. But, you know, some guy got on the other day and said, "If those kids had been taught to use a gun, they could have returned fire." It's hard. It's hard to believe people don't have to pay the price for saying stupid stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but they they mean it, you know. Yeah. How get elected into the Senate, you know? This. I don't know. I hate to talk about it because it depresses me, you know. Yeah. Thanks for your time and memories and everything else. One Top Gun retired dentist, he's got an interesting story. He's he, Again, he started in, I think, Penang Hash, and then he's come to us again, but been to lots of the interhashes. Yeah. Two Streets is a former airline pilot that's been running hash for probably 30-odd years, but he laid off as a check pilot with one of the airlines. 
and he started his own business. But he's been to all the last year to hashes and one thing and another. And he 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 loves his hash, you know. Yeah, he's a very interesting man to talk to. You're kind of the main era and target of why I started it. it, and it was to track down people who had been in some of these remote places pre-internet when you had to find your way around and show up and find the hash when there was a, so it's your ideal course. Like you said, anybody that's been in it and loves it and has another story to tell, I'll be doing this forever. So as many people who enjoy talking or I can pry stories out of. Oh, it was great fun. I I did a similar exercise with my services club, all the old world war two veterans. Really? When you sit down with them, you you suddenly realize no one's ever spoken to them and asked them those questions before. Yeah. They've got stories that they've never told anyone and really because, no. well, no one asked me, you know. And the sad part is I do, there's a formula we have if an ex-serviceman dies, he's entitled to a military funeral and I conduct some of those at times. And the number of times I've been asked to do one and then the family say to you, oh, but he never did anything during the war, you know, he just, he just did this. And these are guys that are, you know, in their 90s and 100s. Anyway, I do my research before I do the funeral and you look up there, we get their obituary off um, service records off the fence and you find out these blokes have been to places. You know, I went to one and the, the, the boy got up before his, the son, the grown man, got up before I did, spoke about his dad and he said, Dad was in the army during the war, but he only drove a truck around Broadmeadows Army Camp. And, and I had to get up afterwards and I said, look, I'm afraid to tell you, your dad's been lying to you all these years. <laughs> he, in fact, worked for MacArthur, and he's a mechanic, and he kept MacArthur's going, car going all through New Guinea, up through the Philippines. Oh, my um, gosh. There's film of him in the National um, War Records um, because at one place they were on an island somewhere and there was this rail, light rail that the Japanese had been using to run ammunition up and down the, the island. And he and a couple of other guys jumped on this engine and went for a ride, little realising the Japanese were still at the other end of the island. Jeez. It's all on film. And I got yeah. back and I said, and, and there's film if you, I, I said, I'm not making this up because there's film with your dad there. He's named, isn't it? And I said, and the other thing, why haven't he got any medals? He said, because after the war, like 100,000 other soldiers, they never collected them. Medals are still available in the Army Records Office. And I've got wow. the form here if you fill in. You know, wow. and he. No one had ever asked the guy this story, you know. We've got a project with our, we've got about 20 exit World War II guys still about, you know, some of them in their 101, 102 years old. We're recording their stories now because when you, you read what those guys went through um, and where they went, you know, across Europe on by foot, you know, been to Europe, another guy said, yeah, I've been to Germany a couple of times, but always at night and 20,000 feet in the, in the, in the air. <laughs> What was your military experience? Oh, look, I, I was only ever a reservist, a citizen soldier. That my my thing was I joined up as a citizen soldier, expecting to do full time duty. But I was working for the government at the time for the army. And when the time my time came to be to get full time duty, I got deferred because they said, "Oh no, it was a bit of bullshit." But they said, "No, the, the actual fact that they had so many reservists serving, um, it was a political thing. They didn't want." anymore in the army so they said to me no your industries you've got to stay in your job at the moment so i stayed as a reservist for a number of years quite years but then as now no one wants to go on a committee and i used to just drink at my club and i made a remark someone said well you better come on the committee and sort it out and i finished up but he running the business for six years actually as president you know yeah. it's the same 
cash. You know, you make a smart remark at hash and someone gives you the keys and says, okay, you do it better. When you got back to Melbourne, did you stay with Bechtel? No, because I had no work on at the time. I actually went working for Fleur Daniels after that. Oh, and okay. then um, who else did I work for? Oh, probably all the majors around. It depends where the projects were, you know. Yeah. I tried to work for Bechtel in France, but the government, I don't know, they had not enough French working or something. They couldn't get permits for too many expats on a project in France. And then Bechtel here had, again, the project had to be offshore. Yeah. So that I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, so I did, as I said, three or four years with Bechtel. Always a good company. And again, kept become friendly with a lot of people through working for them. But a great company to work for. I got a lot of my technical background working for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had a female friend. She, she has for several years built the new Hong Kong airport with Bechtel, I think was involved with that new Hong Kong airport yeah. in the, and she was in Taiwan and Jakarta and she came, come through Cairo and yeah, she was all over. Yeah. A couple um, of mates of mine worked on that Hong Kong airport as well. I did development work with mostly with like government agencies, like the aid agencies, USAID yep. and same thing. As soon as one ended, there were so many people on the hash or like, make sure you keep the RA here, give them a job. So I've just hopped from yeah. contract and stayed in Egypt yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Well, I was like that. I went into Cambodia after they got rid of the UN were in there. Well, the UN were out and Australian aid went in and I worked there project managing the jobs, building bridges that the whole pot decided they didn't need when he was there. Yeah. So uh, th that was a good hash, the, the um, non pen hash. We had some good runs there. You go around, and again, you get to know people. It, it, it's a small world, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was working with an Irishman in non pen, and something came up in conversation. And he said, Oh, I've got a sister that lives in Melbourne, blah, blah, blah. And I said, What? Has she got any kids? She said, so and so. I said, I know him. I work with him. He's the contractor I work with in Melbourne, you know. It's, yeah, that's great how that happens. Very small world. You know, we've we've had occasionally in Melbourne, we, we get. American, mainly servicemen, turn up. They're there for some sort of training exercise or one thing or another. Yeah, so we see a fair few. And, and like the way it's going, I think there'll be a lot more Americans coming to Australia, you know, yeah. under the guy, just to keep the Chinese happy Yeah, unhappy. We've never been to an Aussie Nash hash, we, and so we were going to come to this one that got cancelled. We go to the Kiwi Nash hash every two years. We've hashed and started tourism of a lot of the south pacific but we've just been in through we came to we were in perth for the inner hash in 2008 but we yep. haven't toured much around australia i've been through sydney a couple times i went to the sydney games and managed okay. to talk my way into getting a press pass yeah so, uh, you know i shouldn't have got one but i managed to get one so i got the front row center court finish line tickets the whole time for free and and did that we're pretty much all hash vacations now my wife's a little she's still working we just take all her vacation days we're going to inter scandy in estonia in two weeks there's a world inter hash in india and there we're going to pan asia in pandragan indonesia, right. indonesia so that's my whole our whole life of vacation now is still hashing yeah well one of the melbourne guys is coming up here this What's on shortly? What's coming up December sometime? Is September. There's two things going on in October. Well, there's one called Mekong, Indochina Mekong, along the, it's all every couple of years along the river. Inner Scandi, there's a Europe, there's, you know, these Nash hashes, German Nash hashes on. 
There's a lot yeah. of European ones. Interscandi is moves around the Scandinavian countries, picking back up. Almost all the events are back on, and so there's a calendar full. One of the Melbourne guys, Two Streets, as I said, he, he tends to hash a lot around the place, and he's coming up here in November. He said there's a, I think a guy based in the Philippines that organises pre and post hash lubes. Proposition does one does them. He's doing Hua Hin in Thailand before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's at the end of October. That's in October before Mekong and before the Goa Interhash. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because that two streets is going to is going to coming to Hua Hin. Yeah, that's uh, it. I know that area fairly well, and then he's going to Goa. Yeah, Interhash as well. We should uh, maybe, if you can, put put an email to him. I should talk to him because I'll see him at all these things, and I can yeah, talk yeah, to him first. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut it down. I got a hasher visiting that's going to pop by pretty soon. Rambo, who's a American serviceman who I know from Kigali, Rwanda, and a couple other places. He's going to. We're going to have to hit for lunch pretty soon. One, one of one of my mates again, he, a hashman, not current hashman. He, I was talking to him on a job I was on, and he he had a hole in his hand, and I said, "What happened there?" He said, "Oh, that's pays from his kid's schooling." And I said. What do you mean? He said, oh, it's insurance policy. I said, how did you do that? He said, in a country I've never been to. Shot by a friend that I never knew. <laughs> it turned out he was in Rwanda with Australian Special Forces on an exchange with the Americans. Whoa. And they come up against someone that shouldn't have been there. Whoa, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he, he sustained that wound. But the way it was set up, because he couldn't be covered under the Australian Defence Act, though, so they had the special insurance policy. So he, I said, so he, he, whatever it was, his hand was all right, except for the hole that he had in it. And he said, yeah, that's my kid's private school education. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Rwanda as a volunteer after I left Egypt, and I had nothing to do. I went back to the States and got bored. You know, I was volunteering with some executive helping some local places, but I met a bunch of these guys that were traumatized from the genocide. Um, Nom Pen, we were there, and someone took us out. I'll come and show you this. And we're walking across this paddock, and then I could see, see someone's made a mess here. There's old rags and stuff everywhere. And then someone explained to me, what is it? I said, oh, no, they're bodies. This is the killing fields. This is where all the bodies are. And they Jeez. took us across this. It was all the skulls in it, you know. And this is before it was developed as a tourist attraction. Yeah. And I thought, but then you start looking, you see the hands and the legs and the bones and stuff sticking up. And he wow. said, yeah, they just, you know. And then going back to Australia and talking to some of the kids that, that came and, and you hear the stories of where there's some pretty gruesome tales I've heard from kids that were 11, 12, 13 at the time. Let me ask you, is the RA always right? Depends if there's still beer left to be to drunk. But otherwise, <laughs> yes. That, oh, that's a good uh, insight that it depends on the beer. On, on. On, on. This is the On, On podcast. Hash your voices. Hash your stories. Hash your history. New episodes every week. Till next time. On, on. This is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home.
Thank you.